Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is October 25th, 2021. This is episode 331. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, Jake, I heard a rumor that a certain Orioles podcaster is back on the scene. We'll also um, we'll also talk about the things that we'll think about when we want to think about thinking. Oh, it's getting deep in here. And if we're going to get that deep, well, we're going to have to lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? I'm drinking a Loose Cannon IPA. Oh boy, what a beer. Fine beverage. Uh, I'm drinking a uh, a pumpkin ale. So not even an M in there or a P, just a pumpkin. Because we're punks if we're drinking this. I will allow it just Just for this week. Just this week. Yeah, just for this week. If you want to know we're drinking on a daily, weekly basis, follow us on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off. All right. This first tweet comes to us from Rockabaco, who, of course, tweets at Mass and Rock. Hashtag Orioles announce roster moves reported over the weekend. Outrighted were catcher Austin wins, infielder Pat Falaika and pitchers Thomas Eshelman and Connor Wade. They elected free agency. 40-man roster is down to 35 players. Scott, I don't care what this says. You know some of them will be back because you cannot escape the horror that is Thomas Eshelman. You cannot escape it, and there's nowhere else to go if you're leaving the Baltimore Orioles. It's as simple as that. Uh, next tweet comes from Nathan Ruiz. You can follow him at Nathan S. Ruiz. Uh, Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins is one of eight finalists for the American League's three outfield service luggers. Five of the other seven are also out of the American League. And you've got Tiascar Hernandez from Toronto, Aaron Judge, Kyle Tucker, Mitch Hendegers, Lourdes Gurriel, Hunter Renfro, and um, Big Brandy. Yeah, that's so, what I'm going to go with. I'm just going to call him Big Randy going forward. You, you got to think that Cedric Mullins has no shot. I don't know. He plays for the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know. Okay. I'm positive. I think he has a chance. What's in that pumpkin ale? Uh, it has been fermented for over a year. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 bullish on Cedric Mullins' awards. Um, you know, if Luke Scott can get a Silver Slugger award, who who can't get a Silver Slugger award? Bobby Huff can get a Silver Slugger Award. Who can't get a Silver Slugger Award? My reaction does have bull and ish in it, but slightly different. Yeah. You don't think he's one of the top three out of those, that group, though? Do I think that? Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. Have I been an Orioles fan long enough to know that that doesn't really matter? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is interesting, too, that he was named as one of the top three players for comeback of the year. Yeah. So I do think Cedric Mullins is getting a little bit of name recognition, knock on wood. One would hope. I mean, he earned it this season. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm 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 not willing to write it off. I think Cedric Mullins gets in there. I think he gets a silver slugger this year. Wow. That would be that would be so incredible. Yeah. Think, that would be so incredible. Slugger. Like I said, that's that's my prediction. All right. Our next tweet comes to us from Orioles fans problems. That's of course Orioles fan probs with a Z. Twenty twenty one AL East report. Rays did not win the World Series. Blue Jays did not win the World Series. Yankees did not win the World Series. Red Sox did not win the World Series. Orioles did not win the World Series, comma, have number one pick in next year's draft. Okay, I I see I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I see where you're going with this. 
still doesn't leave a good taste in the mouth. I don't know. Sure, man. I love having the first draft pick. Yeah, me too. But, you know, the 162-game marathon to get there. Jake, it's all about, you know, running multiple kilometers of miles and not having your knees and ankles go out on you. It's no big deal. Uh, Jake, we have talked about it on this podcast about, um, you know, our fandom, the journey as it were. Um, We have talked about um, us reaching certain milestones, certain crescendo points um, in terms of when, you know, like Darren O'Day left the team and J.J. Hardy left the team, specifically us becoming, in essence, the old men compared to the players on the team. Darren O'Day and J.J. Hardy were able to kind of still allow us to have that semblance of like, hey, maybe a major league baseball career is right around the corner. I can make the club next season. (laughs) No problem. Maybe I'll get out there. Maybe I'll be like the ball boy and they'll say, hey, you got what it takes to be out here on 162 games. Alas, Jake, that dream, I think, is completely dead um, at this moment. Uh, This tweet comes from John Morosi. You can follow him at John Morosi. At 35, new Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol is younger than franchise icons Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Jake, we are now officially older than Major League Baseball managers. Scott, we're older than Major League Baseball managers and the same age, I think, as the Orioles GM? I believe so. And But to be fair, we are younger than Yadier Molina. Barely. It doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> it's not the age, it's the mileage. And that is also going to keep me from an impressive baseball career. What you're saying is Darren O'Day needs to come back and pitch for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, may he play forever. <laughs> Scott, this is not making me feel very good. I'm 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 stewing in my own feelings. And if I'm going to do that, I know some gentlemen who can help us stew in feelings and do it properly. Yeah, let's go talk about a rumor. You may remember Sam Dingman as one of one half of my favorite Orioles podcast, Baltimoreans. In fact, I have a complicated history with Sam. At first, I was furious with him for thinking of this incredibly good name first, and then felt guilty for hating him from afar after I started listening and realized what an incredibly nice guy he was. We are lucky to have him here. We were lucky to be a part of an Orioles podcasting scene during the best of the Buckle Up Birds years and had the good fortune of working with him and talking baseball, life, and other things. Seriously, if you ever get the chance to buy Sam Dingman a beer and chat him up, you owe it to the universe to do so. But why am I prattling on about Sam? Well, Sam has a new venture with fellow podcaster and Orioles fan Mac Montandon. And, well, I'd tell you about it, but let me just read you the blurb from the write-up in the dang Washington Post. Ooh, fancy. Jeez. And I quote from the nation's paper of record. (sighs) Quote, It's about fandom, conspiracy, rumor, innuendo, and how much the truth matters, executive producer Peter Moses said. This has been a really cool project for all of us to kind of ask those questions of ourselves, as we're making it. And I hope that those conversations that we've had are something that people can connect with outside of whether this rumor is true. 
end quote. So please join us in offering a, a warm welcome back to the program to a fellow uh, Baltimore Sports Report uh, Network sister wife, Sam Digman and Mac. Mac, let me just apologize in advance for having heaped lavish praise upon uh, Sam for such a, a long history together. I, I assure you're much safer in the position you're in. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Guys, guys, the frickin' Washington Post. Sam, first you steal the best name in podcasting from me, and then you get yourself in the post. Why do you hurt me? <laughs> um, listen, Jake, you are the host of my favorite Baltimore Orioles podcast. I, I don't know where else to turn for a lack of insight and baseless opinion. Uh, there is only one outlet for that as far as I'm concerned, and it is the Washington Post. I'm just kidding. It is the <laughs> bird's view. Well, Sam, you are the one, and we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be talking to you guys because, um, and I know I speak on behalf of uh, Alan Smith as well, my uh, former co-host of Baltimore Runs and still dear friend. Um, those sister wife years of the Baltimore Sports Report Network were, um, I think, you know, th this project in my mind is very much about why does the story of baseball matter? You know, we've talked a lot. We talked a lot on Baltimoreans. You guys talk all the time on Bird's Eye View um, about for better why. or for worse. <laughs> Mostly for worse, I think, in in all cases. Um, but it, you know, you guys talk a lot about, and we used to talk a lot about why the outcomes of the games matter on a week to week basis or a day to day basis. We would sometimes talk about why the sport matters to the city and and to the community. But, um, you know, I, I always felt like at my favorite moments, either in conversation with you guys or with Alan, was talking about why the story of baseball matters so much and why it animates us so much. And so when Mac came to me with the, the idea to do the rumor, um, based on this, this tip he got at a birthday party, which we can talk more about, um, <laughs> it felt like an opportunity to really, really go deep on that more longitudinal question. Um, and this being such an old story that most people have forgotten about, as we have found in um, an alarming number of the interviews that we've done about it. Um, it, it felt like, you know, something that's been around for such a long time um, that is based on a story that's been bad for such a long, or based on a team that's been bad for such a long time um, was a chance to talk about that, that, that real underpinning that I think is what, um, to go to what we were talking about before we started recording, or at least I don't think we were recording, what makes us stay up all night having these conversations and, um, you know, applying this misguided passion to this broken and beautiful thing we call Baltimore baseball. Well, guys, we'll get to talking about the, the podcast in just a moment. I'm actually incredibly interested. But uh, Sam, enough out of you. We know you. <laughs> we know everything there is to know about you. We're very comfortable That's peeping true. in your windows at night. Mac... <laughs> We don't know you, so I'd like to hear a little bit about about you know your your relationship with the team and 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 you know what makes you tick as far as you know reaching down and 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 generating the love for the ball club that that seems not to want to be loved. Yeah, uh, where to start? So I think uh, you know I played. I, well, I grew up in Baltimore, um, in a suburb of Baltimore outside the city, and. Um, yeah, just was a fan from as early as I can remember. Um, 
we just talked about it, but I don't mind talking more about the 1979 team. That was the most magical team I've ever been a fan of and also the most heartbreaking team. So it was like the perfect year to understand, I think, Baltimore Oriole baseball very quickly and poignantly and painfully. Um, and then like beyond that, um, yeah, in those years I was still like playing little league baseball. And when Sam and I started talking about this project, one of the first things I think I told him was, um, you know, I was a decent shortstop in little league. And part of the reason why was I would like emulate Ripken's mannerisms, like between pitches, I would bend my glove against my side the way he used to. I would throw sidearm to first base. I don't think I, can I say? Sure. Sure. Uh, I don't think I around with my stance as much, but, um, but that was maybe like the only sort of difference in, or in my mind, the only difference in how we approach the game. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it runs deep. It runs, uh, powerfully. And I mean, yeah, I'm now a middle-aged guy with two teenage daughters, um, so it's for that reason and many other reasons you know very well about it's it's harder to to summon the same kind of passion about the team but i uh, yeah i have no choice but to to be sort of have my story entwined with their story forever i think it's the stories of baseball you know the stories of our lives uh, as told by baseball oh sorry we're not doing that okay (laughs) as marked by the passage of baseball uh, that makes the sport matter right i mean sam we've talked about this ad ad nauseum right this is this is the sport of storytelling i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid uh mac diving into my deeper questions and curiosities about what it was like to be a decent uh, little league player, because I, I do need um, some, <laughs> some feedback on what that felt like. Um, but, but I do, I want to go back to uh, the podcast because I, I think it's a remarkably wonderful idea. And, you know, how did it get to the point of, you know, Hey, here's a thing to, uh, Hey, we, we could create a project around this. Um, I think honestly, Sam, tell me if you agree with this, but I feel like, uh, so I was on Baltimoreans. I forget even what year. I think we figured out recently it was like around 2013 or 2014. Yep. Um, I had written an essay for a little viewed website that Sam somehow viewed about uh, a terrible tryout I had once for the Oriole Minor League system, where it was a complete disaster. This was several years after I'd um, been any good at Little League, and. Um, Sam saw it, had me on. It was a wonderful night. I brought my signed Eddie Murray eight and a half by 11 glossy to Sam's apartment to record the podcast. And I think as soon as I walked in the door with that, our love was sealed. Um, and then for years, we, I think on and off, just sort of like kick around ideas, try to find something or a story or a project we could do together. Nothing stuck exactly. And then, you know, as you hear on the first episode, I went to this weird birthday party just before the pandemic started and, um, and everything changed and sort of, and sort of the story sort of found us in a way. Um, but yeah, I called Sam the next day and told him what I'd heard at that party. And that really sent us down 
the path. I think we both knew pretty quickly, like we had to do something with this. And it was just a matter of figuring out like what that something was. Yeah, I would say my my only regret in this that I was recording when Mac called me that day. Um, so I can't prove this, you know, either in the podcast or in this conversation, but Mac's first words to me were, dude, are you sitting down? <laughs> and, uh, were, you know. Were you I, sitting down? That's the question. I, I promptly uh, Sat? assumed a sitting position and okay. prepared for Mac to ruin my life. <laughs> um, but, you know, I like, it's interesting, you know, Mac was talking about how you're looking for a project to do. And um, I think uh, sports talk in a more kind of chat driven format where the conversation froze, flows freely and you're able to, you find your way to subjects that you would never get to if you had not started that conversation. And that's really wonderful. But I think both of us were having this real craving to try to do something serialized um, with the Orioles, partially because they were such a bummer on a day-to-day basis. Um, we thought maybe if we could find something a little bit more narrative, it that would feel like a good way of engaging. And usually if somebody's first words to you about a story are, dude, are you sitting down? There's a good chance <laughs> there's, there's something there to follow. And, um, you know, I, I think another hallmark of a, a really great story is if at every, at every moment where you consider the idea that you're done or consider ceasing to report it, there's some new thread to pull on that opens up a new thicket of emotional and ethical chaos. <laughs> uh, that's usually a sign that, that you're onto something exciting. And that has very much been the experience with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you, Sam. I mean, I listened to episode one um, and, and listening to it. I mean, I was intrigued on the emotionality of it is the best way to describe it in terms of both what you and Mac are going through in terms of even just questioning whether or not you were going to begin that journey. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I, again, I can't predict what's going to happen going forward in the future, but I do think it is one of these situations where I think that emotional element, um, you know, in terms of sorting through this and, you know, tying it back to, again, that childhood passion is a big thing, but Again, if we're going to tie it to emotion, too, um, you know, one thing that really, you know, kind of uh, shivered up my spine, as it were, is um, starting out the podcast indicating uh, that you were pulling uh, information from a Hannity podcast and from Fox News. And I'm like, oh, dear God, what kind of mess have we gotten into um, going forward? So I guess my question is, based off of... um, (laughs) let's call it the interesting aspect of truth for the past five years is um, how do you sort through the aspect of truth and rumor um, in this journey going forward? I guess that's going to be part of the journey. Yeah, that is uh, Scott. That's, that's such an important question. And it's so funny that you hit on the Hannity factor of this, because um, one of the things that quickly becomes uh, I don't want to say a, an issue, but like an exciting challenge when you're looking into a story like this is that there is a dearth of people who have ever been willing to speak on the record about it. And that means that the types of places that have invited people to speak on the record about it tend to be places like Hannity and Combs, which is um, the most legit thing Sean Hannity has ever done. And that's not saying much. (laughs) Um, Low bar, low bar. Yeah, very low bar. Um, 
and the, and you know, there's another thing in the podcast where the other journalist who has done as near as we can tell the most significant work in looking into this is a guy named David Mickelson, who was the co-founder of, of Snopes.com. And he did a lot of really great work, but he himself uh, has perpetrated ethical breaches in his writing, which he has ad- admitted um, that happened after we spoke to him for the podcast. But those are those are the waters that you start splashing around in when you just ask the first round of questions about something like a rumor or a conspiracy theory, Correct. and it just gets gnarlier from there. Yeah, um, and I think it's really interesting. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but thinking back to that segment specifically, me and Jake talk about this. We're not going to call it a phenomenon, but we'll call it a, a certainly something that's very common within sports. You know, going back and talking about the streak. I guarantee you can go to 10 people in Baltimore right now and say, were you at game 2131? And nine out of 10 people are going to say, absolutely. So there were ba- 2.7 million people there. So, that yeah. Night. So there were 2.7 <laughs> million people there based off the Baltimore metropolitan area into Camden Yards, which again, <laughs> you know, that's some great stadium attendance for one game. So again, it's this basis of listening to episode one. I was really struck by this aspect of everyone who wants to belong is the best way to put it. Um, and, and certainly mm. within a rumor such as this, and certainly as part of kind of a folklore basis, as it were. Um, and I just think it's so interesting. Uh, and I think it's going to be so interesting in the episodes ahead of seeing how you dissect that aspect of determining what is the truth and what truly is a rumor going forward in future episodes. And, and not to dive too deep into Baltimoreans territory, which, by the way, is a phrase that comes up on this podcast Way too often. Way too often. <laughs> uh, but, you know, not just what is truth, but what is reality, right? Wh- which yeah. we which we can now create for ourselves and often do. Right. Well, yeah, and I think, like, beyond what Sam was talking about, um, you know, the, the sort of struggle to get people to want to talk to us on the record, um, it's also happened many years ago at this point. So even the people... Who we who we have spoken with, who were there, like who we know were there, um, their memories aren't always yep, entirely reliable. So there's like just these many layers of sort of reporting effort that goes into this, and it's I think you know we've tried to weave all that into the storytelling. I think, and so far it's there, um, but it is like a fascinating exercise to sort of find the truth hidden somewhere. Yeah. And I think it was a really interesting standpoint. I mean, you mentioned this basis of kind of having a surrealist podcast immediately when I was listening to it, you know, I was thinking back to obviously season one of Serial with Sarah Koenig and even just starting off that episode one of Serial, specifically talking about the aspect of memory and basically tying it back to what is memory and what is reality to the given situation. Um, and I think it's a really interesting aspect as it relates to it. Um, and I think it's an even more interesting aspect when it ties into sports fandom and um, civic pride, I guess, is a, a way that we you mentioned before, Sam, of, you know, Cal Ripken is not just that aspect of a baseball player. There's been plenty of other baseball players that, you know, been heralded um, through it. Um, but he, he means so much more as it relates to um, the given infrastructure being the hometown kid, um, the hometown representative, even the aspect of Ripken baseball now with kids baseball going up uh, on a day in a doubt basis as well. He's an institution. Absolutely. And, and this is something that we uh, get into in much greater detail in the second episode of the show, but 
um, there are, you know, baseball players in every city um, who are special. And then there are gods. Mm-hmm. And Cal is a god. And what's interesting about this story, I think, is that Kevin Costner is also a god. Um, he's somebody who, for people of... No, no, he's from Iowa. It's different. <laughs> Yellowstone, actually, now. <laughs> you never know. A lot, a lot of gods emerge from cornfields. Um, but uh, as does a lot of whiskey. So um, actually, hold on. <laughs> Maybe there's that's not a coincidence. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Costner, for folks of our generation is a maybe a little bit more of a transitional figure, but for folks who are just like a little bit older than us, he really does um, exist in kind of the fabric of a lot of, you know, particularly white men's self-conception and fatherly problems. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. We can all relate. Yes. Um, (laughs) And when you're somebody who occupies that, part of the zeitgeist and two people like that have legacies that become intertwined. Um, there's something very powerful and disturbing and disorienting happen happening at a cellular level that makes it more than a tabloid story in our opinion, more than a, um, more than like sort of a gossipy salacious story. We're talking about, uh, a cataclysm of people's loyalties and affections, like a real test of what people can withstand when their, their gods are are called into question. Um, And one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot with this project is that for, I know it's not only men who watch baseball, obviously or care about baseball, but I do know that for a lot of men, baseball sports generally and baseball specifically are the are a very handy tool for us in talking about emotions in a culture and a society that doesn't um create a lot of space for us to do that it's a way for us to access these ideas of divinity or love or allegiance um or or sadness here in baltimore (laughs) yes mostly that one (laughs) um and when something it's obviously very important to have that outlet. And when a story like this threatens the value system that has created our ability to do that, um, the, the danger is, the danger is large and the, the opportunity to talk about what formed that phenomenon is, is equally large. And we've, we've tried to lead into that. For like a sort of graphic manifestation of what Sam's talking about, you can go read the comments on the Washington Post story. Yes. I am going to try not to do that, but there's some emotions happening there. There's definitely some emotions, and I can tell you right now there are uh, a few individuals within the Barstool Network that are very much um, taking a particular keen interest to it. So it'll be interesting to see how that um, resonates in the days ahead. But I agree with you, Sam. It's an interesting aspect of like, it is almost reminds me of like a Greek tragedy where you've got these two Greek gods that have crossed paths, as it were. Um, and we are left with, um, you know, a cursed existence as humanity on the wake of their path. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Can Scott. we borrow that? <laughs> Absolutely, by can all means. That's for uh, episode two blurb. That's fine. Yeah. Actually, can you um, re-script the, all of the remaining episodes? <laughs> Sounds good. This is the value he brings to our podcast. Look, uh, I, I love We had the- an existential crisis podcast, okay? So, like, this is all what Orioles podcasts are for. So. On a weekly basis, you like, I love the crap that you brought, but we're going to throw all this out. Yes. <laughs> So I, let me let me ask you. I mean, I, I I can feel. I mean, I can just feel the the love of the work. Just just talking to you guys about this. But what is it that you hope that listeners will take away from this project? I mean, you know, we're we're gonna listen. What do you what do you hope happens to us because we heard your voices in our ear holes? That's a fantastic question. I mean, I I would say I think the biggest thing for me is to, I think the, I I can only offer my own experience um, with what this project has taught me. And my, I would say my greatest hope is that some element of that is transferred to the listener in whatever form it, it, that it takes shape for them. But I think I, as a person spent a lot of my life, arguably longer than um, I should have, mistaking thinking that to love something uh, I had to need it. And I think what I have learned in this project is that you can love something without needing it. Um, And that in fact, your love can be deeper if you don't need it, because if you need something, there are parts of it that you don't look at um, because uh, it interferes with your ability to receive what it's providing the way it's serving that need. Um, and if you can love something without needing it, um, I think you can love it more completely. And that I, I'm realizing in the aftermath of saying that, that it sounds very uh, like provocative and sad. Um, and I don't really think that we've made a sad. Sam, we will write that on your gravestone. Okay. Pro- <laughs> provocative, but sad. Provocative, but sad. <laughs> Oof, man, what an epigraph. Um, <laughs> I'll take it honestly. <laughs> it's better. It's better than drank too many loose cannons. <laughs> yes, that's that's on mine. <laughs> I think like I can maybe bring a slight bit of levity, um, although I feel like that's a tough act to follow. But um, I mean, I, so without giving too much away, in one of our more recent conversations, <clears throat> I felt like we landed on something from my experience of this. Um, I think Sam is undercharging me when he only charged, asked me to Venmo him $100 per session. But um, mm. in any case, he did some great work on the last call. And what I landed on was, um, I think I've often like, yeah, sort of looked at my indecision or inability to be decisive or just constantly uncertain as a sort of weakness, but I feel like it's actually served me well working on this and I have a sort of new way of considering it and like what it's derived from and that there is actually like a kind of quiet power in it. And um, yeah. And I think, you know, I guess, I guess just that, I, I don't know if that, makes a ton of sense but like it i feel like my yeah just my willingness to never commit to like 
a definitive thing is is helpful in this, and I I feel like I look at that quality now in a different way, having done this project. And I think there might be something by the time we articulate it better later in the series. I feel like there might be something of value in there for listeners. Yeah, Sam, you, yeah. you talked about the aspect of like love and stuff like that as it relates to the individual and stuff like that. But I think another really interesting thing and a very toxic thing too in this kind of baseball community that we are present within too is this aspect of also saying you have to like the thing that I like in the same manner that I like it. And I think back to the mm-hmm. recent aspect with like the John Cusack sandbone is like, well, you cannot root for the white Sox, You can't root for the Cubs, but even my esteemed co-host, I have been in Camden yards with many a times and saying, Hey, you are not allowed to come into Camden yards and root for the opposing team. If you are a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan, that's just not acceptable. And that's not just allowed. Um, but it's this interesting aspect of almost the standpoint of this tender balance of what is acceptable. And then also kind of that anxiety basis of like um, what is going to be acceptable to my fandom going forward in terms of my, my fragility as it were in terms of what I have been raised on and what I expect the game to look like within my home province. Yeah. Well, I, if I may, um, I feel like we're in a safe space to dunk on Yankee fans a little bit. We, we, um, absolutely. We're, 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 <laughs> I got no issues dunking on them. I just, you know, if they're willing to pay us $20 to come and sit in our empty stadium, by all means, waste your money. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that I have always found fascinating as, as an Orioles fan in exile in, in the mean streets of New York is when I go to Yankee Stadium wearing my Orioles hat, I get that same energy of, how dare you come in here and desecrate this place by wearing that hat? What is wrong with you? And it is, you know, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I was just trying to order one of your $26 Coors lights. Like, excuse me for uh, supporting your business. Um, But also at the same time, with the exception of, you know, the years 2012 to 2016 um i am like what makes you feel like we are even a remote threat like why would i do this to myself (laughs) yeah how how dare i come in here representing a team that you're going to defeat 11 to 2 i don't need your help feeling bad about myself or this situation yeah what is so what, what is so needful in your love of the Yankees that the idea that someone doesn't, I'm not even wearing a, like they're acting like wearing a Yankee, an Orioles hat is wearing a hat that says, I hate the Yankees, which it's not. It's just saying like, I have a, I have a different team that I like than you. Um, but I can appreciate the fact that Aaron judge is, is real strong, you know, um, very tall. He's a very tall man. Isn't tall, that not really saying, I admit I have bigger problems than you do currently. (laughs) I mean, I think it clearly indicates that it's saying you hate America. Um, You know, you're obviously, you know, wanting to destroy it from the inside out. Um, And obviously you're a freaking contributor to public radio is basically the way that uh, it says. So, I mean, yeah, which I mean, you know, guilty as charged on that last one. Um, (laughs) Gentlemen, I, I feel like we've done, uh, really solid work here of examining uh, our feelings, uh, examining the truth. Uh, How much are we Venmoing Mac at the end of this? 
examining <laughs> what it is to be in a reality shaped by baseball. And I feel, I feel like you guys have a certain expertise in this area. And so I'm going to ask you uh, to lay all that expertise down um, and to lean in real hard into uh, amateur hour that is bird's eye view. And I'm going to ask you this. You're discussing the rumor. If you had to create a rumor about this 2021 Orioles team that would stand the test of some time, at least five minutes, what would you try to generate as far as a rumor is concerned? I know that I'm, I'm asking you to try to make a team that was grossly uninteresting um, a little more interesting, but I, I want to know. What is it about what we just experienced that can in any way uh, fill the airwaves for just a moment? I think that there's a secret plan that none of us can see to improve. And I'm not sur- so sure about that. Now, this is this is the rumor that is not so far unsubstantiated, but <laughs> there's actually a front office with a plan that they're going to reveal at any moment. <laughs> and they're just waiting for the right moment to do it. But Mac, you're giving about- away that you're giving away the end of our podcast. <laughs> Are you saying they have a secret plan to fight inflation? <laughs> they just they have secret plans and we can't know about them and they can't seem to enact them. I, That's my rumor. I always knew the Illuminati were present within the White House <laughs> within the warehouse. <laughs> okay. Okay, there is a there is a secret plan to have a plan. I like it. I like it. We and can some, and somehow Pat Valaika is is intimately involved. That's I, all I know so far. But to say with a name <laughs> like that, I can see it. <laughs> um, I'll share a rumor that I heard recently, and this this is not in our show. Um, so this isn't this uh, is not from a pol- this is not from season an old two. police officer, correct? <laughs> uh, I, I can't comment on that. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> but um, the rumor that I have heard recently is that all this, um, that the tanking and um, the rumors about the team moving to Montreal and um, the just like woeful ineptitude of the way that the prospects who have been drafted recently are, or traded for are being cultivated and brought up are all part of a plan to drive the price down to the point where um, Mr. Ripken is able to be part of an ownership group that would acquire uh, the team. Cause he's obviously a rich man, but you know, does not have a billion dollars or whatever the team. He, would he doesn't have down. Kevin Costner money. That was, that's what he doesn't have that Costner cash. <laughs> so, I mean, what's the likelihood there, if that is going to happen, Sam, that Costner and Ripken would go in in a partnership to buy the Baltimore Orioles. Um, I, what I will say about that is that few things would make me happier. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I have I, a lot of high hopes for our great nation. <laughs> if that happens, Sam, can you just please refer back to episode one and just say, so to return it to the mailman as part of the episode that you release when that happens? <laughs> I will be glad to, provided that um, our tomfoolery on this podcast does not uh, destroy the prospects of Cal, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> maintain his involvement with the team. We'll see what happens. I mean, 
He's got a judge on his side. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have two last very important questions. Very important. We, we, we failed. Okay. We, we failed to be our authentic selves. Okay. This evening. And I apologize to you, Scott. It's our, it's our male fragility. I, I apologize to the listeners. Gentlemen, I, I apologize to you. I, we, have, we have failed you. Because I failed to ask at the beginning of this interview, gentlemen, what is your drink of the week? Oof. Uh, well, I'm going to say I, I'm, I'm not drinking it right now. But um, last night I had... For the first time, I'm a huge fan of Catoctin Creek Roundstone Rye, um, and I had their Hickory edition for the first time, and that is, it, it, you know, it, it tastes like Casey, Casey Stengel's breath. Uh, it, it, was Casey Stengel old Hickory? Did I make that up? That sounds wasn't, right. Wasn't Andrew Jackson old Hickory? No, never mind. Uh-oh. Let's stick with it tastes like Casey Stengel's breath. <laughs> well, um, but it is smoky and weird, and um, I probably don't want to know about its racial belief system, uh, but that's good whiskey. Uh, not to make us out to seem too fancy mannish, but um, I also was having something very delicious and um, not inexpensive last night. Uh, but in my defense, I think someone left it at my house recently. And I know this is going to be great radio that I'm going to now get up and go get the bottle, which your listeners can't see happen. We'll play the but, hold music. It'll be fine. Absolutely. I mean, what, again, is better than free alcohol that has been left in your apartment or your house? I mean, Jake. This gentleman is important. Um, I hope you're recording. Uh, we are recording. Video. Because you'll want to go find this. I don't even know where. Again, someone left it here. But as you can see, they didn't leave it that long ago. And we've done some damage. So, so got about a half a bottle is, of uh, Colonel Taylor small batch there. That's right. Oh, yeah, less than half. Yeah. Sadly. But, sadly. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know if I can make that my... I'm going to try to make that last all week. <laughs> That's an acceptable With the caveat answer. that uh, podcast deadlines are, are not good on whiskey. Supply. No, not at all. <laughs> they just seem to disappear quicker and quicker and quicker. So, yeah. Well, we, we appreciate that. The, the, of course, more important question, if there could be uh, such a thing. And, and, you know, Sam, you may remember uh, some of this, Mac. I, I apologize in advance, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you the age-old question, Beatles or Stones? Stones. Didn't even have to think about it. Right, it's true. You didn't have to think. No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping. I think. Well, I think I know Sam's answer, but please. Oh no, I, no there's no thought here uh, either. We are a two stones, a two stones team. That's awesome. That is awesome. Someday we're gonna have the sharks and jets it up and uh, and, and na, 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 na. go toe to toe on this. Na, na. But I mean, given given my my. Um, my ranting and raving about the nature of uh, love and needing uh, it is, it is perhaps only fitting that I would, I would choose the band that wrote. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you get what you need. I, I think Which we were unable to license. You might be shocked to learn. Very expensive. Unable to license. <laughs> I'm, shockingly expensive. I'm shockingly expensive. I'm, I'm just shocked. My shocked face. Yeah. 
Well, uh, gentlemen, if if you were looking to uh, hear why exactly your opinions are so wrong, you can check the comments section on your write-up on the Washington Post. (laughs) (sighs) Wait, it sounds like I really should not look at that. No, no, Um, you shouldn't. Nor nor should I ever. (laughs) Uh, Gentlemen, it is a, a delight to talk to you. I'm so excited to uh, take this journey along with you this season with the, uh, with the podcast. Um, Mac, a pleasure to meet you. Sam, delight to have Guys, you back on the program. It is, there is no finer way to spend an evening than talking to the bird's eye view boys. Thank you so much. Yeah. You are a tremendous liar. Yeah, but absolutely. if you could just, I mean, if you could just pump it in, just call me weekly and, and tell me all the things that I want to hear. I appreciate Again, it's about creating reality through a certain lens of truth. All right. So the exactly. rumor is on Apple podcast. Are you guys going to be putting it on any other carriers or just Apple podcast? It is everywhere that fine podcasts are anywhere you are can find your podcast. Your and then how often am I going to be able to hear your melodious sound and your melodious voice? Is this going to be a once a week thing or what are we thinking here from a release standpoint? Yep. New episodes every Monday. Um, and make sure you you follow and subscribe. And if you if you like it, uh, we we hope that you will leave a review to counteract the um, the negative aspects. inevitable incoming barstool vitriol. Yes. <laughs> so, folks, give the rumor a subscribe, a follow, a positive commentary. If you're looking for the touches and the feels, trust me, you're going to want to listen. Where where can we where can we find you guys on on social media if we wanted to engage upon you? Um, my handle is usually my full first name, which this isn't going to make our lives any easier, but my full first name is Maccabee, as in the Maccabees, that's M-A-C-C-A-B-E-E. And so it's usually, most places it's Maccabee and then the letter M for my last name, which then when you say it out loud, sounds like Maccabeem. I see. And your full social security and uh, mother's uh, maiden name. And I am at Sam Dingman on Twitter and Dingmania on Instagram. Oh, I thought that was Dingham. My mistake. Uh, no, Dingham. Um, actually, much more entertaining follow. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of meat and bells. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sullying your good names to join us this evening. It has been a pleasure. The podcast is phenomenal, and we can't wait to hear more. Scott, it's been a little more than three weeks since the Orioles season ended. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I needed a little bit of emotional space between me and the 2021 season. And so I think it's, it's probably a little too early to think about thinking, but I thought maybe we could think about the things that we might be thinking about, um, when it's, when it's time to, to start thinking. So what are we supposed to discuss in the offseason as Baltimore Orioles fans? Well, we'll get to all that, but there's still baseball going on, mm-hmm. right? We've got the World Series Braves and Astros. Do you have a preference? I don't see how a Baltimore fan can't be rooting for the Astros in this upcoming series. Just don't see how you can't. Um, if you're looking at the Elias and you're looking at the Sigma Dell regime, 
you've got to think that, you know, seeing the Astros succeed is a good indication that, hey, it's not all about cheating. Um, and there's a good indication that, you know, following the model that the Astros followed is the right thing to do in order to fill a competitive baseball team. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm not sure that I, I'm really pulling for anybody in the series. I would just like to see uh, good Here, baseball. I'll tell you what. I can I can ease this for you. Ready? I can, I can tell you how not ready for that I was. Yeah. All right. You make a compelling case. Yeah. All right. So uh, we've got seven games of baseball left. After that, what happens? Well... On December 1st, the CBA expires. We will probably waste a lot more time on this podcast talking about what may or may not happen. Uh, but any just high-level takeaways from what you think is going to happen with the CBA? Um, I mean, I don't think anyone fully knows what's going to happen, but I do think um, this mindset of um, delaying minor leaguers from, you know, having to go and play into an, you know, an extra few months in the minors in order to get them there. I think this is going to go away. Um, I think the players association and major league baseball owners are coming to come to some kind of agreement um, to get people, you know, into the major leagues quicker rather than later um, and go from it. There's a really interesting standpoint where some people have suggested like an age aspect, which they go into free agency. I think the age was, that was thrown out was like, once you hit 29 and a half, you can potentially go into free agency. Don't know if that really makes a lot of sense because then you're really kind of sacrificing the aspect of college players. Um, but there's got to be some kind of compromise, I think, that has to come out of this. And I, I think ultimately, um, I think the Players Association is going to come up with it and just say, hey, um, you know, let's figure out what we can get done. I think it's going to be one of the big sticking points going forward. Um, I think the bigger question is going to be, you know, is the topic of streaming going to come up? You know, major league baseball announced um, that potentially starting in the 2023 season that uh, major league baseball may be offering a streaming service for in market games. Um, So now it's raising this question of how valuable are those TV deals going to be um, with cord cutting occurring at a rampant pace in the next 10 years? So I think that may be a really interesting conversation around, um, obviously, MLB Advanced Media has made a ton of money. Um, how are the players going to be rewarded, incentivized for monetary funds that are coming into the MLB Advanced Media Certainly ownership has gotten rewarded for it. Um, but how are the players going to get rewarded for it as well? All right. Uh, work stoppage or no? Um, I would say like a, like a, like a technical work stoppage, like where the deadline will pass and like will be any work stoppage, but I don't think games will be lost. How about that? Okay. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've got the world series. We've got the work stoppage that Scott says won't affect any of the games, but the Orioles will also have to get to work as they do every season rebuilding. No, that's the wrong word. A retool. No, that's the wrong word. They're going to have to do something about their roster, right? They're going to be new players. They're going to be some old players. Um, as Buster only says, nobody is under contract. What, what are they, what are they going to do? Uh, 2022 will be upon us the season. Do you think they're going to go for one last number one pick? Or do you think that they're going to try to, uh, 
Do you think they'll decide they can't put the fan base through another million season, uh, million lost season? Well, first of all, the Orioles are not going to make any moves until the CBA is signed mm-hmm. because that'd be silly to do so. Uh, so they're going to wait um, and the CBA is going to get signed, I think, by January, like sometime mid-January. Um, everyone's going to be scrambling around, signing free agents left and right. Um, those going to be a bidding war for Carlos Correa and everyone like that, too. Um, I think the Orioles end up with a hodgepodge of pitchers, one or two, um, but nobody that makes you say, wow, the Orioles are really setting themselves up for the future. I think that you're going to get a very similar Matt Harvey-esque vibe of the individuals they sign. That is what they uh, philosophically participate in. Let's put it that way. And again, I mean, um, I, I... I, I I think they're so close is the best way to put it. And, and again, it, it really raises the question of like, who should they be going after? You know, Korea is an interesting individual, specifically a feeling a spot within shortstop. But again, the monetary basis that he's going to get, I, I just, I don't see it. It doesn't make sense for the Orioles. Um, you know, I, I do think that they should be again, a little bit more active out there. I think they should try to go out and get someone like, I think I go get Stroman. I think that'd be great for them to try to do and get him on a on a two to three year deal. Um, I, I just don't think um, I don't think the Orioles are going to be aggressive in a very short time period like the rest of the teams in the Major League Baseball are going to be. I don't think you're thinking big enough. Okay. Do you have any idea that Wade Miley is out there? That's true. Wade Miley is out there, so we could get him and we could trade him at the midseason and then pull him back in for international trade prospects. Don't you realize? That this free agent class includes the likes of Oriole great Rich Hill. It does. Don't you know, Scott, that this rotation could Kev- be... Kevin Gossman as well. And Bundy. And Bundy. Don't you know that this rotation could be Verlander-esque? It could. Dream big, Scott, because that is what being an Orioles fan is about. Dreaming big and having them dashed. All right, so like... Kevin Gossman, hmm. probably one of the top 10 free agents hitting the market this year. Sure. Would you go get Kevin Gossman if you were in the warehouse right now? No. No way. I wouldn't either. Again, everything from his stats tell me, absolutely, I want to go get him. There's no chance I would go get him. Like, zero chance as a Baltimore Orioles organization. All right. I, I'm going to say this. There's no baseball sense for it. It's not right. It's not going to happen. But you know what I would do? I would go out and get Nelson Cruz just for the funsies. <laughs> I would 100%. I mean, we could have him pitch for all I care. I would go out and get Nelson Cruz just for fun. Uh, we've, we've got a million guys that he would be in the way of, but he would be fun. All right. So here's the thing. Um, I, I like where you're going with this, um, but Nelson Cruz is going to end up in San Diego uh, where the National League adopts the DH as of next season. Okay. <laughs> He's going to be with Manny Machado. Just because San Diego can have all the things that we can't. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have Manny Machado out there. We're going to have Nelson Cruz. We're going to have Wayne Kirby. Buck Walter is going to manage the team. Um, Adam Jones is going to retire from Japanese baseball. Come over. Be a bench coach with, with Buck Walter. Flash is out there. It's going to be great. Isn't, didn't Windmill get, go out there? Uh, I think Windmill just signed like with the Phillies, honestly, oh, okay. uh, as okay. an infield coach. Um, it's going to be great. It's, it's going to be amazing baseball to watch. And Jake... Um, you'll have to stay up till two or three o'clock every night watching baseball. Oh, but it'll be like the buckle up birds era all over again. Why do you, why do you do this to me? <laughs> why? <laughs> all right, let's, let's, uh, let's 
leave the warehouse because clearly you and I are not fit for it. Let's let's get ourselves back in the stands. Let's talk fan experience. Will the Orioles reverse their outside food policy next season? God, I hope so. But will they? God, I hope so. <sighs> I don't think they will. I don't think they will either. And it's extremely disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. And a part of it is I don't even know if it's just the decision that's being made by ownership, but almost the aspect of Delaware North probably putting pressure on them. It's very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. I agree. Yeah. Uh, also, fan experience, um, you know, they they made a big splash yep. by opening the stadium to a concert series. Yep. The first one, boom, out of the gates was Billy Joel. Yep. What do you think the next big concert at Cam Yards is going to be? I got this. I know oh. exactly who it's going to be. Okay. Uh, and, Jake, you're going to want to buy tickets to this. There's no question. Uh, Jake... Uh, in 2022, uh, playing at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, Garth Brooks is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure you were going to say the Pope. Right? Nope. <laughs> Garth Brooks. So, Jake, I know you were disappointed that uh, the concert was canceled um, due to COVID and you were not able to go with your family. But can you think of anything better than to go to Oriole Park at Camden Yards and listen to Garth Brooks playing in center field? Probably, yeah. <laughs> you can di- direct that hate mail to Jake <laughs> at birdsofyoubaltimore.com. He has friends in low places. Oh, man. We were supposed to go, and my family was so psyched, and I was the only one that was like, oh, that's a bummer. No, oh, it didn't happen. That's a oh, shame. Rats. How about you? What do you think? Next big concert at Aurora Park at Camden Yards. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um I I would I would really I would I would like it to be something just absurd though you know like um you know in sync getting back together or or you know just something something stupid. All right, so you just want something like folky slash like stupid from like back in the day. So like if the Spice Girls had a re- reunion tour, you want to see that? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So All you right. don't want to see like good artists anymore. You just want to see. Oh, no, I, I do. I just don't think they'll come to Camden Yards. Gotcha. But you just want to see something from the past that people are like, I can't believe this is actually going on to Camden Yards. That's what will sell tickets. All right. So Paul McCartney at Camden Yards, everyone. You heard it here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So we're not we're not ready to think about baseball, cl- clearly. Um, There's just so much uncertainty. Like I said, until the CBA gets ironed out – um, I, I don't think there's anything to cover. I think the only interesting thing that has happened – in this entire offseason has been the Orioles moving on from Austin wins. Um, I think that's the only thing that has spiked people's interest of saying, wow, um, we knew they were going to get rid of Pedro Severino because they're not going to pay him $3.1 million in arbitration. And if they're getting rid of Austin wins, then it really is starting to get to that crescendo moment of they're, they're telegraphing the move, right? Clearly they're going to bring back chance Cisco. That's definitely a possibility. He's a free agent, but again, it really comes back to that point of you can look at it and say, wow, like Adley Rutschman could really be starting for the Baltimore Orioles to begin the season, uh, which, again, makes me think that something's going to go on with the CBA as it relates to service time and time clocks and everything like that, too. So um, I think that's the only interesting thing that's happened. Um, you know, I think the Orioles, I think we all have covered this. The Orioles need to go out and set a bunch of starting pitchers. Let's see what they do. 
but it's not going to be anybody good. It's just going to be bodies upon bodies upon bodies. Yeah. I mean, we just have to, to hope that more people take a step forward this year than they did last yeah. to see if we're really on track to being better the way, you know, I think many of us were hoping for 23 and 24. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest disappointment out of the 2021 season is not so much the record. It's the fact that you had a bunch of prospects in the, we'll call it 10 to 15 range in the organization that showed nothing this year in major league baseball, nothing at all. We talked a little while ago with Sam and Mac about the baseball marking the time yeah. of life. Interesting. The last time that the Orioles had won, um, you know, in the nineties, I was in middle school. The next time that they won, they had a winning season. I was sending my child to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. If the Orioles aren't good and uh, good again until 2025, that will be the year that that child graduates from high school. Yep. They're going to college. Holy crap. The Orioles owe this fan base, particularly the fan base of this generation, some seriously good years. It would be amusing beyond belief to me to see uh, the Orioles uh, in in 2025 um, with your daughter going into college and stuff like that. Uh, and this kind of monumental moment, um, you know, entering into this aspect, uh, changing um, right on the like cusp of this basis of like in 2005, you getting married and you ruining Orioles baseball pretty much forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, it is interesting to see how generational events have a tendency to tie themselves together. So we'll see. We'll see. I think 2022 is going to be, again, more of the same. Um, but this is the, but I think there's the major asterisk where if Adley's coming and Grayson Rodriguez is coming and we're going to start to see several of these prospects that are top five in the organization. Um, and again, I don't think we're going to be in 2012 territory, but I certainly think we could be in 2010 and 2011 territory as it relates to franchise nuclei. All that's right. something you should you get excited about, honestly. Like yeah. that should be that there's a lot better things to look forward to in terms of that of 2010 and 2011, as opposed to Dave Tremblay Orioles. Sure. sure. <laughs> I think what I'm hearing you say is enjoy as the Orioles build around the cornerstone that is Jemai Jones. Absolutely. No question about it. Well, with sound thinking like that, let's go ahead and uh, let's get one final update for a bird's eye view staple. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby, you sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh daddy, you are the king. Baby, you've got me beat up and down, inside out and across. I, tr- I tried my darndest. Scott, I ended up winning Fantasy Boss. Not not just for the week, but for the season. But let me tell you, 
this had this was way closer than it was ever meant to be. So let's let's just take everybody back yep. to where we were for last episode. All right. We were coming right down on the wire in what I believe is is the closest the fantasy boss has ever been. I took a nine to eight lead into the final episode of the season, and you came up with a great idea, which was let's let's make this hard. All right, this wasn't let's make this hard. This wasn't quite uh, uh, bonus points or whatever we used to call it. Yep. Uh, but this was this was good. You said the the category for the week will be woba. Let's eliminate. Which again is one of my favorite categories yeah. for fantasy balls. It literally is a great indication of how much these guys rake for the given week. It's not dongs or anything like that. It's just how'd you rake? Like, did you hit a bunch of doubles? Great, your woba is going to be off the chart. So, one of my favorite stats for fantasy balls. You you eliminated Cedric Mullins from contention. Yep. Nope, nobody could pick him. And you said, "All right, let's each pick two Orioles." Even though Cedric Mullins is pretty much hot garbage in September. <laughs> He's still going to win a silver slugger, apparently. Still going to win a silver slugger, but hot garbage in September. And we would have two fantasy boss points up. Correct. Up for for a win here. And so if you had swept them both, Mm -hmm. you would have been this season's fantasy boss winner. Mm -hmm. All right. I took Chalk. Mm -hmm. I took Ryan Mountcastle. And I took Trey Mancini. Yes. You took... Yes. Austin Hayes. Right. And Jemai Jones. Yes. Which was hilarious. Yes. All you needed was to select two players. Yep. Better than I did. Yes. Let's go to the tape. Yes. The best player that I selected with a uh, 278 Woba. That's not very good. Was the sixth on the team. That was Ryan Mountcastle. Yep. You did pick a player better than that. Ooh. You picked Austin Hayes, who was fourth on the club with a 343 Woba. That's not bad. Trey Mancini, however, on 10th in the club <laughs> in Woba, Oof. did out Woba Jemai Jones, who was 13th. But that's not what I want to talk about. Yeah. And I would have had to have that person beat Ryan Mancastle at 278. Right. Let's talk about what would have been required yes. for you to win Fantasy Boss. There were uh, four players yes. that you could have selected correct. that would have won Fantasy Boss for That's you. That's correct. All right, I'm just going to I'm going to walk down that list. We're going to walk down this list for the for the last week of the season. Uh, you could have selected Pedro Severino. Nope, never would have done that. You could have selected Kelvin Gutierrez. Uh, again, um Highly unlikely that I would have done it, although in a very similar Jemai Jones territory is the best way to put it. Not as funny, though. Not as funny. You could have selected Tyler Nevin, who led the club in a small sample size with a 517 Hoba. There's no chance I would have ever guessed Tyler Nevin. But who you should have selected yes. was Nick the Stick with six Played appearances. I don't, a, I don't even know who this guy is. He had a 322 Woba. I'm pretty sure this is an error on Fangraphs. Like, I've never even heard this person before. I'm sure they exist, but I, I don't believe it. I'm just saying, I, I'm i almost, I, I wish, I really wish that you had pulled this out with the likes of Tyler Nevin uh, or, or Pedro. If Sobrino. I could have pulled it out, uh, I, I think I would have probably gone with someone like Kelvin Gutierrez, honestly. If I would have pulled it out with Kelvin Gutierrez... And one fantasy balls with Kelvin Gutierrez, um, I uh, would have been a happy man. But 
I am very happy with my effort, only losing by one run or one one point this season. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, and in all honesty, um, I've learned the strategy now. It is just to pick absolutely ridiculous numbers as it relates to it. Just pick them on my hat because honestly, that is the way Jake English operates. Um, and it, it works perfectly well for him. And it just goes to show the uh, randomness and uh, the aspect of small sample size within a one-week sample. If we're looking at this over 30 games, much easier. But in five or six games in a given week, even Tyler Nevin can win Fantasy Boss. Well, that'll do it for the 2021 season for Fantasy Boss. Let's, uh, let's blow the save and get out of here. All right, so I, I want to cover something that happened during the playoffs this year, and I think it's an important one, specifically as it relates to Major League Baseball doing the right thing. Um, you know, we've covered this before in the past, specifically with, um, you know, advocates for minor leagues specifically offering bracelets in regards to fair play. Trey Mancini has worn this at, at games as well. Um, and Major League Baseball, um, a few you know, weeks ago, I think it was on October 19th, have now come out and said, we are going to provide housing for all minor league players going forward. So, you know, they're going to be expected to train year round. Um, They're going to still be paid ridiculous salaries, but no longer is there going to have to be this hassle of trying to find sponsor families and putting people up in hotels where, um, you know, the players have to pay for it. In essence, this is going to be a huge deal for individuals who, again, in many instances are making below minimum wage. So again, one small step in the kind of journey for minor league baseball, there's a lot to do going forward in order to get minor league baseball players to be on a proper parity level that a human being should be able to live on as well. And yes, I realize there are individuals out there like Adley Rutschman who are making millions of dollars. But again, on the whole, the majority of minor league baseball is not making a wage that allows them to start a family or to you know, begin a family um, or even just live to get, be able to live a life. Um, so this is a good first step for Major League Baseball to take to make an investment in the product that they are trying to bring about in the years to come. So good on Major League Baseball. Still want to see what it looks like um, at the end of the day. Um, but I really, um, you know, have to tip the cap a little bit and say, it's about time you did it is the best way to did it. Best way to say it. It's also nice to know that a $10 billion industry can be shamed into doing the right thing. Correct. I mean, again, it's going to cost each organization. I'm guessing somewhere in the ballpark. I think that one of the numbers I saw was like $3 million. Um, and again, we talked about this in regards to streaming MLB revenue deals and MLB advanced media. This isn't a, a league that made $50 million in a one-time payout. Uh, to each of its owners through MLB Advanced Media Revenue. So, yeah, the money is out there. Um, and even after a, we'll call it a poor financial revenue for 2020, and probably the numbers are going to come out in the CBA, 
and the owners will once again cry poor because of, we'll call it, lack of attendance at the beginning of the year due to folks still getting back into the stadiums. Um, this is the right move going forward. Um, and this is the right move going forward as it relates to Major League Baseball if you're actually going to try to entertain any notion that you have any humanitarian causes whatsoever. So good for Major League Baseball. Congratulations to um, the minor league associations. Congratulations to Advocate for Minor Leaguers. Um, this does not end the fight, but it is one kind of footnote in the ongoing fight that is going to continue for years and years to come. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review this show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media all over the place. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Hey, go get your booster shot if you're able to do so. If you haven't got your second shot, go get that as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's go O's. So they're not going to sign anybody, right? They're going to mix and match. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was waiting. You're waiting for that one? I was waiting. Nice. Uh, I really hope they go out and get the J&J. And by that, I mean the Jim Johnson. He's just a pretender. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.